0: week. Okay, this is the Holy Week. This is that week before Easter Sunday. We call it Easter Sunday, better titles, Resurrection Sunday. We're right now in the middle of that week. Uh, On Sunday coming in, the first day we celebrated as Palm Sunday or the Triumphal Entry, the people are shouting Hosanna to the Son of David. They're giving Jesus the title of Messiah, but by Friday, that same group of people will be crying, crucify him. And I think there's a valuable application right there that says beware when we think we can tell God what to do in our time and in our way. You see, the reason these people will shout, crucify him on Friday is because they have given him the title of Messiah, but he's not performing the way they think a Messiah should. And so beware when we think God should do things in our time and in our way because we might find ourselves in opposition to the very things of God. Okay, so this is where we are today. The rest of the uh, chapter here of 21 is going to focus on what is called the Olivet Discourse. It's Jesus' um, most outstanding prophetic Teaching that we have on record. If you want to see an expanded version of it, you can check it out, Matthew 24 and 25. It's also in Mark chapter 13. I wrote these words down it is intentional, it's direct, it's dramatic, and it's predictive. So we're going to be teaching this over the next three weeks, the rest of, of this chapter. But we need to keep in mind that this is a teaching that's given by a Jew to Jews concerning the Jewish people, okay, the Jewish nation of Israel, and that's, that's very important. So, so the emphasis on the teaching includes Jerusalem, Jewish people, and the temple. And I also want to say right here going in, and you're going to hear this a number of times today, and some of you in your spirits going to clash a little bit, but but this is just thought, because we don't know how all this really plays out, but what I'm really considering is this whole idea that too often we think of the seven-year tribulation period. We've heard of that, right? Before the kingdom comes, that there's going to be the specific seven-year period. And because this message is taught by a Jew, to Jews concerning Jerusalem, I'm proposing to you that we have been in tribulation ever since the stoning of Stephen, and therefore the possibility that Seven years is a period of completion that we've been living in since Christ ascended into heaven. So you just watch this, see how it unfolds, and you let God teach you on this. But right now, let's prepare our hearts. Are we ready to receive from the Lord? We're not here to hear this guy on stage named Michael Discoli. We are here believing that the Holy Spirit, the paracletos, wants to lead us into all truth. And that this man on the stage has no worldly wisdom at all, and that is not his intention for being here this morning. But the intention is for the Spirit of God to speak the living word into our hearts this morning. And right now, you may have some cares. Cast your cares on the Lord. Give them to to Him. I know that right now in these economic times, people are having a difficult time. We pray for them. Right now, I know uh, Kyle and Robin are seeking direction as to where God would have them next. We pray that for them. Oh, I know right now that the Thompsons are in Ecuador with their daughter, and I pray blessings on them. Think about my daughter, Chloe, in Thailand, right in the red light district there for the purpose of reaching people for Christ. We bless her, Lord. You have other things, your kids, your grandkids, things in the world, give give those things to the Lord right now, knowing he cares for you. Just thank him that he cares. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that you care. Thank you that you take these things, and yet you're doing more with them than we ever could. Thank you, Lord. We trust you. Now, what about the condition of your heart? Are you ready to receive from the Lord this morning? Lord, speak to us, we pray. We need a fresh word from you, Lord. We're listening. In Jesus' name, amen. Luke chapter 21, starting with verse 5. The disciples and Jesus are now walking up to the temple, and we find these words. Some of Jesus' disciples were remarking, about how the temple was adorned with beautiful stones and with gifts dedicated to God. This temple, even today, would um, be considered an architectural marvel. I mean, it covered enough ground. I mean, in fact, it's larger than any modern-day sports arena we have in the United States. This is not the original Solomon's Temple, but this is one that was rebuilt later during the period of the Maccabees and so forth. And, and uh, this, this temple was expanded upon during the reign of King Herod. And uh, as a result, it was large enough in its capacity to hold 250,000 people. So this is what we're talking about. Some of the walls standing 400 feet high. I know that we have arenas that have walls that are 600 feet high today, but if you can imagine at this time, 400 feet high. Historian Josephus loves to talk about the single uh, marble pillars. There were many of these pillars that were made from a single stone uh, of marble, some of them weighing as much as 180 tons, if you can imagine this. Along the fascia were these gold uh, shields that some described them when the sun hit them just right, that they would shine brighter than the sun themselves. In fact, uh, Josephus says that on some days they they shine so brightly that you couldn't even look at the temple. So this is what the disciples are seeing. This is what they're marveling at. And then this, this is what Jesus' response is to them as they're making these observations. Verse six: As for what you see here, the time will come when not one stone will be left on another every one of them will be thrown down. So here we have this incredible temple with with stones weighing somewhere between 3 and 180 tons. I've already given you that number. They're they're so heavy, they require no mortar to support them. In fact, just their weight alone would would hold them in place. And this prophecy that Jesus just spoke here was fulfilled 30 times eight years later in 70 A.D. Okay, now that's very important because Jesus speaks these words and he says that, that not one stone will be left upon another. 38 years later, Titus and the Roman soldiers move in they're not even aware of jesus prophecy yet they are instrumental in fulfilling the prophecy as they make a point to make sure that not one stone of that temple is left upon the other And the remnants are still lying there as a testimony to Jesus' prophecy right here. In fact, recent excavations have shown pavement that was shattered as these stones were pushed over in such a way as to spread them throughout the Kidron Valley. It's pretty impressive, and it's a fulfillment of prophecy which began a period called the time of the Gentiles, and since 70 A.D., Uh, Jerusalem had been uh, held by Gentile nations. Now, we could dispute this piece as well because some say we're still in the the period of the, the Gentiles and it will still be there until the mosque of Omar is destroyed. But it seems to me that the period of the Gentiles ended in 1948 when Israel again became a nation. Okay, and, and there they are in the midst of all this conflict. We hear about them on the news constantly. So if the period of Gentiles ended in 1948 when Israel became a nation, then that puts you and me right now in the period called the period of the last days, which means Jesus could come at any time and there's absolutely nothing to stop him from returning. So the disciples are looking at all this and they're marveling at the thought of what Jesus is telling these huge stones. You mean they're going to really be destroyed? Every stone. Not one stone left upon another. And they're thinking about this. So later, as Jesus is sitting on the Mount of Olives, and thus the title of that Discourse, four disciples, um, Peter, James, John, and Andrew, come to him and they talk to him privately. And this is where we get this next question. So now we're back to our text, Luke 21 Verse 7, Teacher, when will these things happen, and what will be the sign that they are about to take place? He replied, Watch out that you are not deceived, for many will come in my name claiming I am he. The time is near. Do not follow them. In fact, Jesus is going to give us three things to watch for in the last days. One of them is this whole idea of of false teachers. Another one is natural signs and disasters. And another one is the persecution of the church. And we'll see these today as, as God leads us here. But we know that since Christ, many have come in his name many have come with this new word and this new revelation saying that they've got something that gives us a clearer view of the scripture and therefore we've got all of these publications and magazines and books including the Book of Mormons including the Watchtower that, that don't honor who Jesus is but who think that they're somehow giving us a new and fresh revelation of who Jesus is, or they've come up with some date or formula for calculating the date exactly when Jesus is going to come, and people have been totally messed up by this. Jesus says, beware of them, don't follow after them, they are deceivers. And we need to recognize that. They send a message of confusion, and we'll see that more as we go here. I think oftentimes, because of our kindness and our Christian spirit, we think of those who come along and make predictions or crazy claims as being uh, well-meaning in their approach. But we need to recognize what Jesus says is they are deceivers, and we are not to be deceived, be deceived by them. And these false teachers will always make their way into the church. Okay, I'm just amazed right now at how much we're hearing the term proselytization. OK, which was a Christian term not all that long ago, because if you watch the cults, the intent of the cult, cults was to find people who are already in church and then to lead them astray into some new or fresh revelation. OK, now all of a sudden we Christians are being accused of proselytization because of our desire to fulfill the Great Commission. And this just shows how Satan loves to twist things around. OK. OK. Now, the epistles, many of the epistles, their intention is to warn the early church, recognize these false teachers for who they are. In fact, Peter says this. This is from uh, 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 1. But there were, were also false prophets among the people. Just as there will be false prophets among you, they will secretly introduce destructive heresies even and that word even is an important word because he's saying this is how bad it's going to be okay this is the worst that you can expect and the worst that you can expect denying the sovereign Lord who bought them bringing swift destruction on themselves many will follow their shameful ways and will bring the way of truth into disrepute and notice that word disrepute they damage the reputation of the true church, and they do it through confusion. Satan is the author of confusion, and it's always rooted in who Jesus is. Going on, this is their motivation, in their greed, (laughs) and it might be greed for power as well as wealth, it might be a lot of things here. In their greed, these teachers will exploit you, look at this, with stories they have made up, Their condemnation has long been hanging over them, and their destruction has not been sleeping. So the primary heresy here, notice it, denying the sovereign Lord who bought them. That's how you spot a false teacher, because inevitably, they're always going to go after the deity of Christ by exposing you to some new thing that you're supposed to be doing, which to define it in a word is law, and the law was only given to condemn. So it's about your performance that they're always going after, and they're always coming into the church here. That's very important teaching law rather than keeping your eyes on Christ, who is the God-man who came to humble himself to the point of death at, his, at, his own, at the hands of his own creation in order to offer you and me life. Are you seeing this here, folks? Are you tracking with me here? I mean, is this relevant to, to where we live as believers in this day and age? Okay, now another cross-reference. This is John's writing. First John chapter 2, verse 18. Look at this. Dear children, this is the last hour. And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come, and this is how we know it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they did not really belong to us, for if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us but their going showed that none of them belonged to us. What's he saying there? He's saying these heresies begin in the church. Did you hear that? These heresies begin in the church by people who have learned to play the game to fit in as Christians, but because they don't have the real deal, at some point they take their eyes off Jesus, but they come up with some new thing that leads them away. Did you hear that? Do you see it? It always starts in the church. All of these cults and all of these movements always began in, and I want to put it in quotes, in the body, because they weren't really a part of the body. We see that. And I'm going to skip verse 21 and go to verse 22 here. Who is the liar? And right there, because of our spiritual programming, we want to say Satan, but this is the Antichrist manifesting himself in men. Look at this. Who is the liar? It is the man who denies that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the long-expected one, God becoming a sacrifice, denying the deity and the sovereignty of Jesus Christ. That's always where it is. says, such a man is the Antichrist. Now, Now watch this. You want to talk about Trinity here, Watch how many times Father and Son are written together in this passage as if they are one and the same. Look at this. Such a man is the Antichrist, he denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever acknowledges the Son has the Father also. See that what you have heard from the beginning it remains in you. What is it you heard from the beginning? Christ. Christ crucified. These attacks are always to get your eyes off Christ. Always, always, always. If Christ saved you, Christ will keep you. And my friends, you know what's defeating you right now in your Christian walk? You're focusing on an area of your life that you can't get the victory over. And you're allowing it to beat you up. But my friends, if Jesus is able to save you Jesus is able to complete you. And when you focus on that area of flesh that you can't get victory on, what you're doing right there is you're saying, I can do it without God. But what you need to do is you need to get your eyes back on Christ who alone is your author and finisher. I I wish I would have brought Colossians 1.6 here, but this is the confidence that we need to have. You need to be confident of this. Church, are you tracking with me here? This is what you need to be confident of because, listen, the enemy's just had his way too much in the church and in my religious background, and I live where you live, and we got to get victory over this. But here's what he says, Colossians 1.6. Do I have the right verse? Philippians, Philippians 1.6. Thank you. Man, we can do this together. Thank you, God. Being confident of this, that he, Jesus, who began a good work in you, will carry it on to completion until the day of christ jesus now did it say tomorrow no what did it say until the day of christ jesus okay so you better look at the person next to you and tell them there's still hope for you okay you better better do that right now do it do it i'm serious there's hope for you Yeah, there is hope for you. He will finish the work that he started. And so here we are defeating ourselves. Man, if people knew what I was really like, there's no way they could ever love me. And Jesus is there saying, no! It's at that point that I died for you. And you hold on to that, okay? He is your hope and glory and salvation. I'm going to keep going. Man, did I ever get sidetracked there. Such a man is the Antichrist. He denies the Father. and Yeah, I shouldn't apologize. Thank you. Because God is in control here today. He denies the Son. He, or wait, no one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever acknowledges the Son has the Father. Also, see that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. That's Christ. If it does, you will remain in the Son and in the Father. <laughs> and this is what he promised us. This is where we stand. This is what he promised us even Eternal life, but going back to our text, I just love the way that Jesus plays on their statement. What sign will you give us so that we will know that these things are about to happen? And Jesus doesn't point to a sign directly, but instead he tells them some things that they better avoid. And the thing that they better avoid is the distraction, because the way the Christian life looks is is like this. Listen. If if I'm out in a lake and I'm trying to row a boat across the lake and and, and I just go out there randomly and I'm rowing, I I can't go straight for the life of me, okay? But when I, I, I focus on an object across the lake and one object that stands out, because if I get multiple objects, I'm in trouble. When I focus on that tree over there, let's say, or that house, As long as I keep my eye on that house, I will row straight. And so the point of view is Jesus Christ. And along the walk, there's going to be all these things. Well, what about this struggle with your flesh? What about that struggle with the flesh? What about this point of view of scriptures? What about this interpretation of scriptures? See what's going on, left and right and left and right. Just keep your eyes on Jesus. Is that the one application we are about as a church or what? Huh? all eyes on jesus and this is exactly the reason why and that's why we sang my hope is built on nothing less than jesus blood and righteousness i dare not trust the sweetest frame but wholly lean on jesus name on christ the solid rock i stand all other ground is sinking sand All other ground is sinking sand. Yeah. Okay. There's more. Okay. So the first thing Jesus points to is false teachers. But he he goes on, and and I'm only going to give you the first piece here, and we'll get to the second in a minute. We've got some ways to go here. Okay. So uh, don't be in a hurry. Uh, Lunch will wait. The game's not till four thirty (laughs) anyway. That gives a lot of time. Thank you for that, yeah. When you hear of wars and revolutions, do not be frightened. These things must happen first. But the end will not come right away. Jerusalem destroyed 70 AD. We are still in this period called the end will not come right away. That's where we are. Lord Jesus, come. Hurry, Lord. We're in that period. Okay, that's where we are. But now he shifts beyond that and he says, then he said to them, nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes, famines and pestilence in various places and fearful events and great signs from heaven. Friends, all of these things have been going on now for a long, long time. But what I keep reminding us of as God reminds me of it is that as the time gets closer, we can expect to see These things happen with increased intensity and increased frequency. Now, it seems to me, honestly, that we're seeing some of this happening right now. Uh, Here we have natural disasters and and if you listen to the news they're being defined as the most severe since okay you've been hearing that quite a bit lately but on some of those events like the tornadoes last year if you look at the one they're comparing it to what they're what 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 they're saying is the, mo- the most severe since but if you look at what happened in that devastation it wasn't the same level as what it is today but that's not my argument the argument is is right now we don't just have an event over here an event over here but we have cluster events it seems like one is happening after another how is it that we have this major destruction by tornadoes in the south right now in january in this time how is it that that this happened and did you read the reports about that pile up there in florida where this black smoke comes across the highway and people are making statements like it seemed like the end of the world. This is what they're they're discussing and this is what what they're talking about. This isn't coming from me, but this is stuff that we're hearing in the media. And what I'm saying here is that oftentimes we'll want to read the scripture and we'll want to put it off in some future event and we'll say, Lord, no matter what happens, I'm going to commit to you. But what I'm saying is this has been going on and it's going to continue to go on. But as the time of the kingdom comes near, it, you can expect it to happen with what two things? An in intensity. You you watch that. But what uh, Matthew adds to the passage we're in right now are these words. He said, all these are the beginning of the birth pains. Did you hear the beginning of the birth pains? I mean, expecting mom has... Birth pains, but she knows that they're not the real deal because of the intensity and the frequency. But the doctor said if those pains get closer, right, then you better get in here, okay? So it's the same idea right here. And so here's the application, and I hope it encourages you that as you see these wars, as you hear of rumors of wars and natural events happening with greater intensity and frequency, let them serve as reminders that the kingdom is coming and all things will be made new. Amen? <laughs> Can we get a louder amen than that? Amen. Yeah, all right. Now, um, there's an the intensity. Oh, yeah, let's, yeah. yeah. And, and, uh, and more frequency would be helpful, too. <laughs> the intensity and frequency of your amens. Well, I'm telling you, this is a team, team effort here this morning. But also, these are opportunities to be witnesses, you know. We have this group that's wanting to go to Haiti in May, a medical team, if you want to join them. Talk to Cleon. other opportunities. Th- th- these things present opportunities. You know, we went several times down to New Orleans during that devastation. God works in these situations. But let's go on. This is still talking about these events, okay, the uh, wars, rumors of wars, natural disasters. It says, this is where he turns the corner but before all this they will hand they will lay hands on you and persecute you they will deliver you to synagogues and prisons and you will be brought before kings and governors and all on account of my name this will result in your being witnesses to them okay so i said we're going to continue on these disasters but i had that wrong because what's going to continue is this whole idea of these persecutions and again I think we have the tendency to look at this and say this is something that's going to happen in the future will I be able to stand it will I be able to handle it and what I'm suggesting is these things have been going on and for this reason tribulation is not necessarily a specific seven-year event that's ahead of us but it's a term of completion that we've been living in ever since the stoning of Stephen ever since Christ ascended into heaven now think about this listen now Tradition tells us Peter was crucified upside down. The only reason Peter was crucified upside down is because he told those persecuting him that he was unworthy to die in the same manner of his Lord. Okay, Going on, James, the son of Zebedee, was put to death by Herod Agrippa. John, boiled in oil. Boiled in, can you imagine? Boiled in hot oil, he survived, and therefore, he was sentenced to the Isle of Patmos, which, glory to God, that's where he got the book of Revelation. Okay? Keep, keep going on. Uh, Andrew is believed to have been crucified as well. Legend says that Matthew was martyred in Ethiopia, O-opia, Thomas in Persia or, or India. Do you see? Jesus' prophecy has been fulfilled. Do you see this? Okay, very important, because I could keep going, but what we need to see Today, right now in Egypt, and we just heard Mama Maggie say it, more Christians have been killed in Egypt today than in any place or time in all of history. It's happening right now. Most, one of the most horrific murders took place in, in uh, Turkey when these three radical Muslims started showing up to church. And, and they, they, they acted like they were giving their lives to Christ. I mean, they are sitting in the front row. Can you imagine me as your pastor having these three guys of Eastern uh, appearance coming to church and acting all excited about God? But their whole intention was to get that pastor alone in his office. And you would not believe what's described that they did to this pastor before he died. I mean... When people heard the groans and went in to rescue whoever was being tortured in there, they found this pastor still alive after six hours of being tortured. This is going on right now. This is what we're, we're talking about. The Twin Towers. We've been led to believe that it was an attack on our nation, but it's not an attack on our nation. This is radical Muslims attacking Christ. Okay? And in their minds, the United States is a Christian nation, and therefore anyone from this country is guilty by association. And this is why we have politicians today that are standing up and saying, the United States is not a Christian nation. They're, they're thinking that by saying that, that they'll send a, a message to those who hate Christians that you don't have to hurt us anymore. And what they're doing in reality is that they're cowering from the very things that have made our country great. And this is happening right before our eyes, but praise God, in the midst of the rubble there at the Twin Towers stood this huge steel cross as a testimony that no matter what you do to Christ and His church, Christ still reigns supreme Uh, to the glory of God. Of God, So Jesus gives us two encouragements here in our text that we're looking at. He says, first, remember you're doing it in my name. And second, remember that this will result, persecution now, will result in your being greater witnesses to them. That first Christian martyr that we have on record I told you about, Stephen, right? Stoned to death, but right there, giving approval to his stoning was a man named Saul who would later become the Apostle Paul. He's right there. After Stephen died, the scripture says, after that, great persecution broke out. Do you see the fulfillment of Jesus' prophecy here? Great persecution broke out, but I wonder, do you you suppose God was using that to tweak this man named Saul's heart to prepare him for the good news that he would encounter on the road to Damascus? Huh? And then when the Apostle Paul does give his life to Christ, he finds himself in several prisons, and he writes these words. He writes, Now I want you to know, brothers, this is from prison, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. Do you hear that? Fulfillment of Jesus' words. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole Roman palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and Fearlessly. So here we see Jesus' prophecy fulfilled again. This will result in your being greater witnesses to them. Paul has a, a prison guard chained to his right and to his left all day and all night. So, what do you do when you're chained to do guys all day and all night? I mean, you can only talk about the weather so long. You can only say, How are the kids doing, right? Not the Apostle Paul. He's leading these guys to Jesus. Every four hours, he gets a new peer. He's leading them to Jesus. And as a result, he's winning the whole palace guard to the Lord. Why was the Catholic Church headquarters established in Rome? Because Paul was leading all the prison guards to Jesus. Huh? He knew he was supposed to go there. This is what's, what's happening, and this is what we're talking about. When Paul stood before King Agrippa, Agrippa says to Paul, do you think that in such a short time you can persuade me? To be a Christian? See what's going on with Paul? Look how Paul responds. Short time or long, I pray God that not only you, but all who are listening to me today may become what I am, except for these chains. And that's why early Christian writer Tertullian gives us these words, the blood of Christians is seed. Did you hear it? The blood of Christians is seed. The greater the opposition to the Christian faith, the more powerful the Christian faith becomes. And here we are in America asking God to give us an awakening, and we're wondering why the church is being persecuted, but could it be that the path to the awakening is opposition? And we need to recognize it, what it is. God, for what it is, God, whatever it takes, whatever it takes have your way. I give myself to you, and I trust you. And right now, while these radical Muslims are on a mission to destroy Christians, the truth of the matter is, more Muslims are coming to Christ than ever before in history. Yeah, you want to give glory to God for that? And, And here's a sign, folks. 30 years ago, the church was praying that we would somehow break through the 1040 window. What's the 1040 window? It's the most unreached culture in our world, the Muslim culture right there in the eastern part of our world. So we're praying this way, and all these horrible things happen, and guess what? In the midst of it, Christian missionaries from America and other places are putting their lives on the line and going into these places like never before. Okay, And the gospel is being preached. It just reminds me of when I was... uh, learning to be an electrician i was at a, a trade school and i i love to talk about jesus with these guys and one day i was talking to this fellow who's a jehovah witness and he loved to argue with me about why jesus is not a god in the flesh and so forth and how the the wording of john is just off and if it was read properly then i'd get the clear meaning so one day we're just talking about this stuff when this guy named arfielo Fiello, so discoli fielo and, and the the anger of an italian I'm talking to this 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 uh, Jehovah Witness, and in comes Art Fielo, and he had fire in his eyes that I wondered if he was bent on hurting me physically, and and his words were, "I hate you Christians. I wish all of you Christians were dead." And and it was horrible. I mean, just just horrible. when he was saying, I was wondering at what point he'd hurt me, but I didn't know what to say. And I'm just praying, Lord, give me your words. What do I do here? What do I do? And, and sure enough, all of a sudden, I felt peace come over Art, and he stopped, and God gave me a word right at the moment, and I spoke it. And I could feel it. It was like a living word, and it went whoosh, right to Art. But it only lasted a few seconds, and then just like a time bomb, you could feel it counting down and flaring up again, and pretty soon his intensity after me is even, even worse than before. And now there's a crowd gathering. This is in downtown Tucson. There's a mob of people gathering watching this. And, and, and again, he quieted down. I didn't know what to say. God gave me a word at the right moment. I spoke it, and it went, and you could feel it. And then it happened a third time, just like this. And you know, before it was all over, Art is weeping his eyes out, saying, I'm so sorry. I need the Lord. And this Jehovah Witness is witnessing the power of God going on right before his very eyes. And it shut his mouth on any kind of argument. Now, I'm not standing up here dogging Jehovah Witness, okay? I'd I'd like to believe that there are people in these groups that are seeking God and that they will find truth. So I pray for them and love them. But man, it's all about the sovereignty of Christ. That's where the attack will always be. That's what's going to happen in the future. You can expect it. Friends, believe there are more than one way to God because you need to be politically correct. I mean, did you hear the deception here? No, hold on to Jesus for there is no other name given under heaven by which men must be saved other than that name, the name of Jesus. glad I showed up today. Glad you showed up too. I'm going to keep going. Believing that God is, is working and that we've got a few more things. So, we've got false teachers. We've got natural events. We're still in persecution. I just told you about God giving the words I needed at the exact second. Look what happens next in our text, verse 14. Jesus says, But make up your mind not to worry beforehand how you will defend yourselves. For I will give you words and wisdom that none of your adversaries will be able to resist or contradict. And I love what Mark adds right in that statement. He says, it won't be you speaking, it will be the Holy Spirit speaking. And that's really what I'm after, even on Sunday mornings. Not you, but the Holy Spirit. Going on. You will be betrayed, even by parents, brothers, relatives, and friends, and they will put some of you to death. Man, nothing hurts worse. Than being rejected by your own family my family is still far from god okay and when you read those words of jesus that says unless you hate your mother and father and brothers and sisters what you need to realize is that you may face a day when your family gives you an ultimatum it's either jesus or it's us and at that point you have to say i'm sorry i have to choose jesus and he's not talking about an adamant hatred because it would contradict everything we know about jesus but will you choose Jesus or will you compromise Jesus in order to be accepted by those who reject him? Do you see that? Hear the word, be set free, be alive. It says, and It gets worse, all men will hate you because of me. Then this paradox, but not a hair of your head will perish. By standing firm, you will gain life. Now, I want to come back to that um, paradox in just a moment, but I have to tag here this this word uh, by standing firm because the better translation is found in the Amplified where it gives us the true meaning. It says, by your steadfastness fastness, and patient endurance, you shall win the true life of your souls. That That is your eternal self. So now I want to come back to that, and I want to address uh, this, this paradox right here. The... the the, 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 the phrase perish has to do with your eternal self. Not one hair on your head will forever perish. Now, in saying that, am I saying that exactly your hair that you have here <laughs> will join you in heaven? No, I'm not saying that at all. But I'm saying not. It, it's, a, it's an example of not the smallest part of your being will be lost in eternity. Listen to how Paul articulates the paradox of the Christian faith in 2 Corinthians. Listen to this. This is uh, chapter chapter 6, verse 8. Look at this. Through glory and dishonor. Paradox. Right? Bad report and good report. Genuine, yet regarded as impostors, Known, yet regarded as unknown. Dying, and yet living on beaten, yet not killed, sorrowful, yet always rejoicing, poor, yet making many rich, having nothing, yet possessing everything. That is the paradox of the Christian faith, that even though men may kill you in the flesh, they have no control over your eternal being, and you will one day wake up finding yourself in eternity with the living God. Okay? Yeah. Now this whole business of steadfastness and patience. We are so impatient when it comes to the things of God especially. We're we're impatient at lights, we're impatient driving in the car, but we're really impatient when it comes to things we can't control and things we cannot see. And what Jesus is saying, to stand strong through the storms, you must stand upon and hold to the one who is strong through the storms no matter what no matter how long it seems hold on to jesus all eyes that's why we say all eyes on jesus only use any application i give you to the degree that it helps you to do that one thing all eyes on jesus all eyes on him that my friends is the word of god and if you can see it today like never before if you can see how the church is being persecuted if you can see how people are being persecuted by their faith if you can see how natural disasters and wars are happening, and if you can see that the prophecies are being fulfilled and you haven't surrendered to Jesus, turn to Him now. Stop trying to do your life your way, which only leads to nothing, and turn around and come home to Him and let Him be the Lord of your life. If you're discouraged in your Christian faith, be reminded this is a short time and we will soon wake up in eternity with our Heavenly Father. Put your hope in the Lord because your hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I want to pray over you, Colossians chapter 2, or Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. And I've just very slightly added a few words to this, but if you check it out, you will see this prayer beautifully there. I'm going to pray this over you. We're going to move to a time of communion. If someone's at liberty to go get the kids and have them join us for communion right now, I'd appreciate that. But don't be distracted from receiving this prayer. This is like the Apostle Paul is praying over you. I pray. I'm praying over you right now. Receive this. I pray that in these last days that God will fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom wisdom and understanding. I pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please Him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience and joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. Amen. Amen. May God add his blessing to his word. And that's all.